Welcome to the 20 Minutes of Filler Podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. This podcast is all about tabletop gaming in small proportions. Now here are your hosts, Andy Lennox and game designer Jason Katarski. All right, welcome to the 20 Minutes of Filler Podcast. I am your host, Jason Katarski. And I'm Andy Lennox. And together we're here to talk about great little games because that's oh, what we're a, all about I, I got so many piles of great little games surrounding me right now dude you're you're a pile of great little games oh uh, man. <laughs> nice i can't tell if that was a put down or a compliment but i'm gonna take this one i'm not really sure i just go with my gut man i'm not i don't know what that was <laughs> <laughs> what have you been playing bro uh lots and lots of dungeons and dragons fifth edition dude, so that's I, a new one huh i know i haven't I haven't played since, like, it's been a, a while. So 4th Edition came out, and I played, like, two games of that, and we never got back into it. That was after, it seems like every time they put out an edition, I get, like, a big burst of uh, inspiration to play and, and get a group together going, and then I peter out really quickly. Um, so this is my, this is that big burst of energy that <laughs> that's going to peter out really quickly. <laughs> Well, save a little um, bit for me, because I still have yet to play any Dungeons oh, & Dragons, ever. Dude. Aside from Lords of Waterdeep, which does not count in the slightest. No, not even a little <laughs> bit. So, I started a group with, it was it's me and my wife, and a couple of our friends who are also parents. And <laughs> any, any like, hardcore RPG players are going to think, are gonna, probably going to cringe at this, but... We just bring all the kids over and let them run around and play, and then we play D&D. And it's half, like, parenting over crazy, insane kids that are staying up too late and half playing Dungeons & Dragons, and it's not very focused, and it's more like a, a very beer and pretzels approach to playing Dungeons & Dragons. And I just, like, I grab, I've, I've grabbed just a couple of off-the-shelf uh, adventures to run. So I used to, I used to be really into building the adventure myself and coming up with stories for everybody. There's, there's just no time for that stuff. No yeah. time for that stuff. So I, a half hour before anybody gets there, I read the few, the next few paragraphs in the, in the <laughs> adventure and just run that. Um, and it's been a blast. Like we've been having lots of fun and it's very low uh, commitment. So That's awesome. I've been playing lots of D and D. What have you been playing? What have I been playing? Uh, well, I'm trying to think, like, what have I been really playing? Like, uh, I've been playing a lot of One Night Ultimate Werewolf. I don't know if I, I feel like maybe, did I talk, did we talk about this on the show? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, if we did, we're going to talk about it again, because it's, it's that good. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is the one where the app is the moderator. Oh, yeah, yeah Eric Summer the, from the Dice Tower, the, uh, the mothership of the, our podcast network. He's in everyone's game group now. Um, because yeah, totally. I bet he loves that. I just I feel like that's <laughs> something he totally gets a kick out of. <laughs> but yeah, he's a um he reads audiobooks. He's a voice actor for for uh, for a living, and he's got a cool voice. So he he just straight up rocks this this game. And and the app is uh completely necessary. Like I mean, you don't have to have it. You can just do the thing. But then somebody has to memorize the order or be reading while they're playing. The idea of Werewolf uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf is really like. You're you're hanging out like, um, and instead of like it's the standard mafia, right, or or werewolf, where there's villagers and there's werewolves, and the others are trying to figure out who the other ones are before their team dies, kind of a thing. Lots of storytelling, mm -hmm. lots of moderating, whatever. 
But this one takes it one night instead of, like, night after night where people are eliminated until it's down to the end. It's just like, all right, either the werewolves went or the villages went after one night. And it's really quick, so, like, you, you, you do some cool stuff. There's always there, – you, you each get a tile, but then there's also three tiles in the middle. And some of the actions deal with swapping uh, with those in the middle um, so you can kind of or, – or the troublemaker moves things around all while people's eyes are closed. So nobody knows their new identities when they wake up. So it's totally this intuitive thing where you're just like, I think I was a werewolf, but I heard somebody moving in my direction, and I think they might have moved my tile. Or I was the drunk, and I had to put my tile in the middle and take a new tile, and I wasn't allowed to look at it, so I don't know what I am now, so I'm not helpful at all in this game. But like, so like you do all these kind of maneuvering of the cards, which I like, it's a little chaotic, and then you set a timer for however long you want. It starts at 10 minutes, but we play five, seven-minute rounds sometimes. And at the end of that, Eric Summer says, one, two, three, vote, and everybody points at somebody. And whoever, like, gets they point at dies. If a werewolf dies, the werewolves lose. If no werewolves... If any werewolves die? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And if no werewolves die and they're in the game, like, not just the three tiles in the middle, then the werewolves win. So oh, nice. Yeah, so it's, it's just really quick and fun, and there's lots of, there's lots of different... Uh, little cool twists on the rolls and man it just like it takes 10 minutes you teach people i would rather play 10 games of this than one game of regular werewolf amen dude i don't (laughs) i don't the the only the only reason i would ever want to play probably regular werewolf again would be because you can play with bigger groups but then i don't like it still with bigger groups like i like playing with five to ten people you know so and this this you you're the you're it's best with a smaller group so it's like three to three to five three to eight i think it was up to ten in the box but then daybreak the smallest group you've played with the smallest group i i think i haven't i've I've played with four Uh, i haven't haven't gotten down to three but yeah four four five was really great cool um and in, in werewolf you have to have a moderator and five people at minimum so uh, this this makes it so like you don't have to have a moderator. The moderator can be in the game. So really fun. Played that a lot of game night. My wife who hates werewolf like uh, enjoyed this experience. And and Daybreak is a new expansion or kind of a I don't know if it's a just straight up expansion or like a standalone game. But uh, that Bezier Games is putting out uh, that was just up on Kickstarter or still up. So it's gonna add even more to the sweet sweet game. So good. Cool. So I'm playing that. Uh, that's one of the one that really stands out to me, aside from the ones that we're kind of going to feature in a little while. Cool. So, um, what makes so you were talking about Kickstarter? So, we were talking think, talking about before the show, like what makes a good Kickstarter game. I think that would be a good thing to talk about. Yeah, and this was um, like a this was like the big feature on the Dice Tower uh, podcast, which is we're a part of the Dice Tower network, and if we didn't get a chance to submit anything to them because we weren't getting together to do recording, but yeah, so um, I think that's a good question to explore. I think that it seems that Kickstarter's changing in a lot of ways, um, but yeah, well, so what makes a good Kickstarter? Kickstarter is like the new thing in in games. It's the way we buy a lot of indie games, especially in the gaming space, right? No, oh, yeah, I, I I think two of the games I want to talk about today I got in the mail this week from Kickstarter. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's just like the thing for for uh, the, our 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 hobby has really adopted Kickstarter, and I think it's because it's such a niche thing that has like such a um, ex- big upfront investment, and then a six month turnaround, and actually getting a product that you can sell. Like Kickstarter just makes so much sense. Oh yeah. Um, it, it maps really well to the business model of games in general, and um, 
and also it, it sort of maps to the way creators in the game space work. So, like every anybody, the, the, the I think the draw to get tabletop game design is that you don't need any specialized skills to do it. Like I could make a video game, but I, that's because I spent four years in college learning how to program. <laughs> and like you don't need some sort of specialized knowledge to do it. You just jump in with some paper and pencil and cards and and throw together a game because anybody can make a game. It might not be a good game, right? But no. uh... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it really appeals in that way because anybody can now. Not only can anybody get started at learning how to make games, but anybody can fund a printing of that game. <laughs> um, and like you said, the upfront costs are handled by that situation, and it, it's really it's really appealing. I think. To think, oh, I could just this any idea I have can become a product, and I can ship it. And sure. like, I don't think did I don't think that existed to the to that extent before Kickstarter. Like now, everyone just knows if I have something that I want to go on, I can make it happen. There's an avenue for that, yeah. And on the other side, as a consumer too, like that that's kind of our side, like the creative, like the contributors, right? We want to make stuff. Yeah. Um, the other side, as a consumer, like it's the place where you can go to be like, what's this new little like. Uh, kind of diamond in the rough that I'm going to discover early, the early adopter thing, right? Like, I want to find something yeah. awesome. I want to find something that's that's interesting, that's unique, that's going to make my friends think I'm super cool, and I want to be a part of something big, you know, at the same time. Yeah, I want it to really... start small, and then I want it to grow big. So yeah. it just gives those kind of cool moments, you know? And that kind of leads into, like, the thing that appeals to me about kick different Kickstarters are, like, the really niche um the really niche weird ideas that just would not get off the ground without Kickstarter. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like board games in general is sort of all fits in that category. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but People now like, like, like monopoly, right? That's what you mean when you talk about board yeah, games. So. so, but like the, the variety of games that are coming out of Kickstarter is, is astounding kind of just because anybody like if, if you strike a chord with just barely enough people, you can fund your game. Yeah. Like an so, example I can think about that we've had it we've had him on the show and he's a friend of the show uh, Jason Tagmeyer and his storyteller cards right they're just oh, he's, got, they're, he's got the weirdest weirdest he's making the weirdest stuff and like <laughs> he has an audience he's found an audience yeah. for that yeah but um, you know it maybe wouldn't make it through for a, that I, I little plug for that I wrote a I wrote an RPG for the storyteller cards which is called, on topic right we just talked about D and D dude we're just nailing it yeah. today. <laughs> And um, you're self-promoting instead of me this time. That's yeah, good. <laughs> so get your storyteller cards and get my game, uh, Swords and Storytellers. It's a yeah. fun little storytelling game with some riffing on like the idea of D and D. But I got a game um, in there too. But you know, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that's that is a that is one of those really nichey like weird products that like it funded and it has an audience and people are into it. Um, his other like uh, movie plots. Did you back that one? Yeah, I did. I did. Oh, it's like a ten dollar like micro game of like you you are pitching a movie with other people and playing cards back and forth to like force people to elaborate on your movie plot that you came up with. Um, yeah. And we, the thing about that one, right? Like we could make that game with post-it notes, but it's like, we like this idea. So we want to support creativity. We want to support like yeah. Jason um, to continue doing, and it wasn't Jason, this was Alex Strang's game, but he, he published it. Jason published it. Um, and, but just like we want to support creativity, so like we'll throw some money at that idea because we want people to go back and make some more cool ideas yeah. that we're excited about. 
So Plus, yeah, I want the cool little wallet that comes with it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a good one. Like stuff that isn't going to happen otherwise. That, that's just kind of too too off center, and um, you know the the small guy. You know, another thing I, I like is just um, the uh, stuff that that is reasonably priced, right? Like I'm going to get maybe a, a a better deal, like uh, yeah. and and more stuff. You know, like some. I'm not. I don't care for exclusives, but extra content. You know, sometimes if you you know can overfund or whatever, that doesn't always end up in a retail edition. That can be compelling. It's not a huge driving force for me because like sometimes I, I I normally back a game and and don't look at it again until it's funded. Like I don't follow like as a backer. I just like I see a game I want and I and I and I want it. And if we hit stretch goals, great. You know, like yeah. Um, it's a little different when you're a publisher. You you pay a lot more attention <laughs> to it. <laughs> but uh. Um, it's, it's cool to, uh, to just like see something and see an idea and, and see, um, how the creativity kind of grows, um, and how I can get more bang for my buck sometimes, you know, uh, when I get a Kickstarter. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I, another reason I back Kickstarters and, and a, another thing that really draws me to them is like the, the premium editions of things. Okay. Um, so I backed the Takedo premium edition. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I played that game. I like it. I already like it. I know I want it like, and the, the way they, they fund the way they ran that campaign and the way it funded, like as it went through the, the components got nicer and it became more and more of like a, an heirloom kind of <laughs> quality item. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like, I like that about Kickstarters that, you can sign up for something that you just like anyway, and then it blows up, like you were saying, it blows up out of control, and all of a sudden, all the components you have are like, it's like this beautiful work of art all of a sudden, because <laughs> like everything just got, you know, we went from like chintzy cardstock to like this super hardcore cardstock, or, or uh, Tiny Epic Kingdoms, where they went from cards to like these big matte things, and yeah. um, it's it's it gets the, because there's that in, inherent built-in thing where if you want something for cheap you have to um you have to it's going to be it's going to be cheap right like if you right. pay $15 it's going to be a $15 product where on Kickstarter you can that those those hits can like take off and then economies of scale kick in and then you get that huge value you sure. get all that really interesting stuff for almost nothing so um yeah that's pretty cool to be to be a part of that you know, one of the other, one of the other thing, I just think about some of those, what are some of those essentials that, that, that makes you have to like get on board, you know, that, that has to be there if you're going to get on board. Um, uh, I'm, I'm okay if you're a new publisher, maybe trying something out for the first time, but like, I want to see a video of how the game plays. I want to see that you've put some time and effort into art and I want to hear some, some third party reviews from other people that aren't your, your grandma and stuff, you know, so we know that people have actually played this game and it's, it's, it's playable. Um, are, are there anything other other ones like that you want to touch on real quick? Um, yeah, I, I think for me, like when there's a lot of add-ons, I th I don't think the Kickstarter. Um, I think that's confusing sometimes. Mm. Uh, I don't think the Kickstarter platform really supports that very well, and you have to like manually. You have to select your pledge, and then you have to manually go in and add so much money, and then like remember what you did, and then like a month later when the Kickstarter is over, update, <laughs> fill it in in the survey. Like, I just don't think that's the right place for doing that. 
Um, yeah, so when so I see that, when I see that, important. yeah. So simply, yeah, simplicity in in the pledge levels and um, what you're getting for each thing. Like I, I really like how <laughs> that drop is going right now, where there's like I think there's like two pledge levels <laughs> that you can do. Sure. Um, that that appeals to me. Um, I don't know, yeah, because like, but I I don't think I'm the you know I'm I'm not probably the the typical gamer, but but you you said it as well. When you see a Kickstarter and you like the game, you're gonna back it regardless of what the stretch goals are. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So guys, that's our advice to you. If you see a game that looks cool, maybe this isn't coming from a publisher. You know, like just back it because it looks cool. You know, because like, yeah. you want to play it. Not because, like, you might get, like, a, a new Mercedes if we hit a million dollars or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. No, we that's that's cool. That's It's fun stuff. It keeps people engaged. Stretch goals are neat. They do keep people engaged and keep things growing and keep people interested and get people I could care less. more connected. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's well, hey, fun, but... Uh, talking about Kickstarter, let's, let's move on to some games. And I know that one of the ones you wanted to... Uh, maybe two of them that you wanted to share about today were Kickstarter games. So, um, yeah. So, um, give us one, first, man. The first one is Pears. So I got. Oh yeah. So that Kickstarter went crazy, and what they did is they offered like a bunch of different uh, art styles for different decks as stretch goals. So, but you still had to purchase each deck. You didn't just get free stuff. Um, so I bought three decks, which in hindsight I probably didn't need all of these. <laughs> But they are so really, good. But they're really cool. So I, there's I can't even remember all the decks that they did. But I got uh, the Barmaids deck by Echo Chernik, yeah, which I is that one too. I got, I got that Barmaids one too. carrying these big steins of beer. So like the one has like one stein of beer, and the ten has ten steins of beer. I got the Name of the Wind Commonwealth deck by Shane Tyree. So I love the Name of the Wind. The oh, that's the com- that's right. They ended up doing two Name of the Wind uh, decks, didn't they? Yeah, they did too. Okay. Um, the other one was like, no, they did three because there was like a fairy one and then some other one. Cool. Um, and then the pirate deck by Brett Bean. Yeah. Uh, they're all really beautiful art. The cards are uh, bridge size. The game is, it's a triangular deck, like one, one and 10 tens and everything in between. And the game is really, really dead simple. You deal out a bunch of, you deal out a card to each person and on their turn, they hit or fold. If they hit, as long as they don't get a pair, they're fine. If they, um, if they fold, they take the lowest card that's in play, and they get that many points. Uh, so points are bad. If you, there's, and the, the cool thing about the game is there's, there's not a winner, but there's only one loser. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a, it's set up perfectly to allow you to force somebody to buy a round of drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, pub game. Yeah, it's a pub game. So, yeah. um, so on your turn, you can fold or you can hit. Um, if you get a pair, you take the number of points that the pair was. So if you get a pair of tens, you take ten points. Um, so it's it's just a press your luck simple game. It, I did not when we played it. I was not actually at a pub, and I thought maybe I should be at a pub because it's the kind of it's the kind of game that you don't really want to pay very close attention to. You just want to kind of throw cards around and drink and talk, and and it's it sits in that spot perfectly because there is there was exciting moments where 
we were trying to figure out like you're trying to figure out should I hitch you know it's it's exciting and but so so very light it's so light that it's almost not a game but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it I I would recommend it if you do play games at the bar you have to bring this and yeah. then make the loser buy drinks and the you know the pedigree behind this it's uh, cheap ass games. Uh published it on their new hip or not new but their resurrected new old brand hip pocket games and that's james Ernest. uh he, he designed it with paul peterson so two classic game designers uh paul peterson responsible for smash up and guillotine and james Ernest. you know uh what's that vegas one he did lords of vegas and mm-hmm. and um you know tons of you know save dr lucky kill dr lucky so yeah. um and, and one of the cool things about this i got this two out of the three decks you did i didn't get the pirate one i got the uh professor elemental one was my third by uh cheyenne wright and uh, and what's neat is they look at the back of the box that each one of these different decks has a different variant included in the rules. So like a two to seven player game, two to six player game. There's a game called Rocket in the Barmaid game. There's a game called Sweep in the Name of the Wind game. A game called Venture. Um, so like there's a lot of they they've, they've put a lot of time into not just giving these decks out, but like kind of run up with some different ways to use these cool decks. So kind of makes it you know fun to have more than one that way. But yeah, Paris. And it's going to be hitting retail pretty soon. It just went out to uh, Kickstarter backers, so mm-hmm. be looking for that one. Yeah, um, and the other one I got... Oh, did you want to talk about one? I'm oh, sorry. well, you know, whatever. Let's try games. Well, first, let me let me just talk about one that one that uh, I played recently that's on Kickstarter right now. Uh, is that cool? Yeah, do All it. Right. All right, it's called, uh, it's called Lanterns, The Harvest Festival. Um, and it's it's by Foxtrot Games, which is Randy Hoyt. He put out a game called Relic Expedition, and um, this is by uh, the designer's name is Christopher Chung. He, he's on uh, Twitter as uh, Flash Forward, a uh, really nice guy. But so the idea of uh, of lanterns is it's a it's a tile laying game, right? Like, uh, and what you're doing is you are um, it's in China, and, and your artisans that are kind of decorating the palace lake with floating la- lanterns to kind of celebrate the the harvest, right? And mm-hmm. it's a really nice little elegant Euro-y tile lane game. Um, it, it reminds me, uh, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but it reminds me of, like, it, it plays two to four, but it reminds me of a Cosmos two-player game. Just the really elegant gameplay kind of gateway level with some meaningful decisions. R- really neat game. But what you do in the game is there's these, these tiles, and there's there's uh, they're square, and, and they're divided like an X in the middle, and there's four different colors on it, right? Or four different mm-hmm. sections of the tile, and um, you draw a tile and you and you place a tile, and you can place it anywhere. Like there's different colors, but they don't have to match. Um, but then what's cool is based on how the orientation of that tile is, whatever direction you 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 place it, you get a card um, that matches the color of the lanterns on that tile that match your tile, um, or I'm sorry, that match your side of the tile, and then every other player does too. Your so, side being like where you're sitting at the table. Yeah, where I'm sitting at the table. Okay. So like if I place okay. a tile and blue's in front of me, I get a blue, and across from me you're sitting, you get the orange one. You know. Okay. Uh, but there's ways that you, like if you do match a tile, if I put a blue next to another blue tile that's on the board, then I get a bonus blue for matching plus the one that's facing me. And then there's a platform deal, like where like if you place one next to this certain tile that has this little symbol on it, uh, you get a you get a a, a special token. A call, it's called a favor token. And um, but you're collecting these cards by how you place the tiles. And if you get one of each of seven colors, you can make a dedication. And and that's essentially earning victory points or cashing those in. Or there's a, a three 
um, sets of three pairs um, is another uh, another one or uh, four of one color and then your your favorite tokens that you're able to collect you trade those in um, to be able to swap one of your cards for another card of a different color so that's that's essentially like the all the rules to the game right like so you place a tile you take some, really tight yeah you take some cards and you turn them in for points and it takes about 20 minutes i played it with my wife and and we loved it like which let's that's totally like where we really got into gaming was when we found these we found something like lost cities and and um and, and balloon cup the cosmos two-player games and and uh and i don't know just like it has that sort of elegance to it you know but and a really cool theme the the art is really really beautiful they've done a really good job with this game and um uh it's it's i think it's 24 bucks to get a copy shipped in the u.s and it's on kickstarter until wait wait, wait listen listen what i'm backing it right now oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice nice yeah there's uh, as of the recording there's 13 days to go and they're uh they blew out of they blew away their goal of 10,000 and are already at uh 17,000 so it ends on uh, november 5th so you got time to take a look at it there's lots of reviews there's some videos um it's a cool game by uh, by some cool people in the indie space, so definitely worth checking out. And uh, oh man, I can't wait to play this with with more than just two players and and kind of see how it plays because I really like that mechanic of everybody gets a card. So like you really want to pay attention to what everybody else is doing. Lots of interaction in that sense. It's kind of you know non direct conflict, but it's like you got to pay attention to what people are doing because you don't want to like hand them victory points. It sounds like a cool multi-tiered thing going on. I place the tiles to get the cards, and I trade the cards in to get the thing, and the tokens can help me get that. Like I, I like that economic yeah. sort of model there. So yeah, it's it's really yeah. good, man. Really good. All right, the other one I got was Draco Magi. I'll make it quick. Draco yeah, Magi, uh, Robert Burke and Richard Launius. It's a game of dragon combat. Each player has like two decks: one deck of dragons, one deck of attack cards. You deal out some locations to the middle. And it's sort of played in two phases. The phase one is you play dragons down at the locations, and there's a little bit of back and forth there where, like, your dragons are attacking each other and you're vying for control of these places. The next phase of the game, you resolve each battlefield by adding up the, that dragon's melee attack, and you, you draw that many cards, and then you play attacks back and forth. So if I play two bites, you have to defend with two bites. If I play two claws, you have to play, defend with two claws. Um, you can combo the cards together based on these uh, symbols on the cards, so I could play, I could potentially play every card in my hand, but there's a card called Flight, <laughs> which just nullifies that whole attack. So, and then you're out of cards, and then your opponent counterattacks you, and you're done. So, it's it's really fun. Uh, I really like the two part aspect of it. Like one play, I played it one time. So, I'm, full disclosure, I normally play games like two or three times before uh, I, I bring them on the show, but I only played this one one time. But I, it left me wanting more. Um, there's a little a bit, sign. yeah, there's, there's, there's a little bit more depth to it than I think is meets the eye at first. The, the playing cards back and forth is really interesting because we made a lot of mistakes at first and it was really like, it was fun to figure out the mistakes cause there's a, there's a magic attack. And when you play a magic attack, you get to refill all the cards you played that turn. You get to refill your hand. So you see somebody put down a bunch of cards at once. And, and they have a magic attack in there. They, they're going to get to come back at you again. Um, so making that work out, making the combos work out. And then there's like an advanced tactics deck that like you, there's a little bit of deck building where you can, uh, between rounds, you draft cards and put those in your 
deck and they do, they do extra cool stuff. So um, there's a lot to this game. It's really little. It was a really good value. Yeah, uh, that's this is a perfect example of a Kickstarter game. Like I'm not interested in uh, a lot of kind of head-to-head confrontational type games. You know, like yeah. um, that's rare, and especially like the fantasy themes. You know, there's a few games that I dig that are that are in that realm. But like when I saw this game and I saw Robert Burke, who's put out some really cool stuff before. Um, and I saw Richard Lanius, and then I saw that it was 15 bucks, and then I saw that these dragons in the graphic design for this game were freaking beautiful. Like, oh, they're gorgeous. How could I just not back that game, you know? Like, so I, I, know, haven't, it's almost... I haven't played it yet, but it's like a piece of art, you know? It's really, really it's sweet. It's really beautiful. All the dragons are just really, like, detailed and beautiful. Like, the illustration is great. You know what? Next time we are working together at that co-working space we've been working at, we should blow off work and play that game. I'll bring it. <laughs> okay. Or I'll bring mine just in case. So Okay. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, you know what? I think that's all we have time for is uh we're gonna we talked about Kickstarter, we talked about a couple games from Kickstarter, and uh now we just got more stuff to talk about that we didn't get to that we'll talk about in the next episode. All right, we'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. If you want to hear more great podcasts, go to dicetowernetwork.com. We are Jason Katarski. You can find me on Twitter at Jason Katarski. I'm at Andy underscore Linux. And we hope you get out there and play some great little games. 